All right, and welcome. It's uh, five minutes after four o'clock. Good to have you along on this Sunday afternoon. We are ready to go. Hope you are as well. Employment Law Show. You want to reach out anytime over the next hour for uh, for some questions, get some answers. Leah is here and set and ready to answer what you got. The phone number is 604-280-9898. That is the number to call into the station now. And ask your questions. Don't hesitate because when you ask questions, you're probably asking something that so many others are wondering as well. So it's all good to have information about your employment rights, your common law rights. That's what we cover on the show. And it's always good to be better educated in that regard. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. That's the email address we always refer to. But uh, here and now, 604-280-9898. Lines are open, so let's get it happening. But first want to talk about a few things as we get into our uh, topic for the day, Leah, which is going to be temporary layoffs when you don't get called back to work. But I know you had a couple uh, week that was issues and matters you want to talk about first. How are you, pal? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks, John. And, um, you know, it's a beautiful sunny day and we've got lots to talk about on this show. But again, you know, as you very rightly said, the priority is the questions. The priority is the listener. So if you have any questions, concerns, thoughts, anything that you want to run by me, that is what um, I am here for for the next hour. So please don't hesitate to call in uh, if there's something that's on your mind. And John, you put it so well you are probably asking a question that is on the mind of several hundred other people. Um, so, you know, you're doing you, you're doing your, your community a service by asking this question because mm-hmm. everybody has an employment law issue right now. Um, you know, it just seems to be, it just seems to be the way that um, COVID has impacted us, you know, the most besides health has been in the economy and our jobs. And a lot of people want to know what their rights are. And that sort of leads me into our first week that was, um, which is with respect to uh, Hudson's Bay Company, so HBC, right. and um, some of the the changes that they have made ostensibly in response to COVID-19. And I don't mean to say that as though I'm dismissing that as a reason. I mean, I think that what's been hard as an employment lawyer over the last 15 months, you know, an aspect of what's been hard is that I really do see that there are employers out there that are struggling. You know, these are not, there are a lot of companies out there that aren't trying to, you know, get away with a fast one and fire someone that they've always wanted to fire and are just using this pandemic as an excuse. You know, there are a lot of companies out there that are just trying to keep their doors open. They're just trying to keep their livelihoods going. And, and I get that and I understand that, but there are still examples of companies that are just not conducting themselves appropriately. Um, you know, I can think of one example with, you know, Bell, and we've heard about the mass layoffs with respect to to that company, as well as the fact that, you know, members in the executive have been bonused out amid all of these cuts, right? So you just have to wonder sort of where the priorities are with companies like that. But with HBC, and this is what a lot of companies are doing, is they are trying to make changes to the terms of the employment that make it cheaper for them to keep you employed. We saw this exact same thing with Sears, John, and I'm sure you and I talked about Sears a couple years back when they filed for bankruptcy because it was a huge issue then too. 
so many individuals who work for these big box retailer stores have been there for like 20, 30 years. You know, they're in their 50s, 60s, 70s. I don't know what it is about big box retail that sort of seems to engender loyalty, um, but that that seems to sort of be the last vestige of um, employees who decide to stay there for a long period of time. And so a lot of companies, as Sears did, and I think now HBC is doing, look at all of those individuals and they say, we can't keep them all employed. We can't keep this level of salary but we can't fire them either. Because if we fire somebody who's got 20, 30 years of experience, we are on the hook for two years of severance. Yes. And that's just, that's, you know, that's just too much on the books for us to handle. So what can we do? Well, we can lay them off. Or in HBC's case, we can see if we can reduce their hours and figure out if, if this is something that the employee will go along with. So my firm has actually started a um, a class action lawsuit against HBC on behalf yeah. of uh, a number of employees who were let go uh, or who claiming constructive they were constructively dismissed by HBC, and that is that is the kernel of it. That's sort of where it all arose from was um, HBC's decision to reduce somebody's hours. The the primary um, plaintiff, the primary complainant, um, she had her guaranteed 30-hour week reduced mm -hmm. to what could have been anywhere between zero and 27 with no guarantee. Yeah. She also would have lost her benefits and she would have lost her five weeks of vacation. Now, there are a lot of individuals, there are a lot of employees who understand that this is you know, a very difficult time for a lot of companies. And so sure. they say, okay, you know what? I've got savings or I was thinking of scaling back anyway. So I will accept that. That's fine with me. I will work part-time. Even if you're in that situation, I still do recommend that you indicate to the company that you are only willing to accept the change on a temporary basis and try to identify what the end of that temporary basis is going to be. But if you do not fall within that, what I think is a small group of people who are planning on some sort of change like that anyway, that's not a change that you have to accept. It does not matter if the company's doing poorly. It doesn't matter that we're in the middle of a pandemic. Those things historically have never factored into a court's analysis yeah. of how an employer is permitted to treat an employee. And if you find your employer saying to you, look, we want to keep you employed, but we're actually going to have to take your 30 hours and reduce it to 15 or reduce it to 20 or reduce it to five or anywhere in between, but we just don't know. It'll just depend on how busy we are in any given week. That is a termination. That's a constructive termination because what they're saying is that the contract that you were on before, the oral contract where we were giving you 30 hours of work and paying you in exchange for your service, yeah. we yeah. are no longer abiding by that. And when they indicate that by their actions, you as the employee can accept it or you can say, I don't accept this. And because I don't accept this, I now am entitled to severance and you can pursue your severance. And so that's what this class action is about that my firm is uh, that my firm's running and it's something that I just wanted to pinpoint off the bat because I think you know we are now oh, I've lost all concept of time 15 months 16 months five years yeah. into this pandemic yeah. I don't know <laughs> um, but 
you know, we are now far enough into this that I think that a lot of employers have, they've emptied their coffers. Mm -hmm. And so everybody is trying to get to that finish line because we're so, so, so close. And so again, if you are in that camp of people who are okay with taking a pay cut, who are okay with reducing the hours, right? It, it is not truly not an all or nothing scenario. You can say to your employer, okay, I will agree with this, but by July, my expectation is that I'll be back on normal hours, right? Yeah. Or I'll be back on normal pay or whatever the case may be. But if it's just not doable for you, you don't have to apologize for that because a lot of employees are struggling now too, right? There are people who have been laid off since last March, right? With it's no crazy. income except what the government's been giving them. So if that happens to you, if you find yourself in that situation where, you're, where your employer is trying to impose a term on you that you don't agree with and you don't want to accept, you don't have to. You do have options. You can claim your severance. And I would highly encourage you to speak with an employment lawyer. By the way, in that regard, you want to reach out to Leah and her team at, uh, you know, just for a chat even, get some more information, do it, 604-283-3123 is how you do that. But here and now, as you know, live show, lines are open for you this afternoon. It's only a 414, got a lot of time to, to chime in, 604-280-9898. Before we break in a couple minutes here, Leah, what else you got going on? Yeah, so I've got two more things that I want to hit, but I'll Good. discuss this one really quickly. I mean, you know that if I can help it, and you know what, if people turn off their radios when I say this, I'll live with <laughs> it. I'm a Leafs fan. If I can avoid talking about the Canucks, I will, okay? Go Leafs, go. But Oh my gosh. Yes, I know, I know. What, what did I just do? But um, in this in this case, this is an important thing to talk about because sure. uh, Canucks forward Jake Vertanen uh, is not going to be in the lineup for the team's final games of the season this year. And that's because there were some allegations of sexual misconduct that were made against him and that have given rise to an independent investigation by the franchise. So the, the Instagram post that detailed the misconduct, which is all that we have to go on right now, stated that the player who we now know, and I'm not even sure how we know this now, but who we now know is an apparent reference to Vertanen, uh, forcibly had intercourse with the woman in 2017. And the Canucks have... Uh, rightly, in my view, immediately distanced themselves from the allegations. You know, they've stated that they don't accept sexual misconduct of any kind and they're taking it very mm -hmm. seriously and that's why he's on leave and they're doing this investigation. And ultimately, how the Canucks govern or participate in the investigation and the consequences of that investigation for Vertanen will likely be covered by the collective bargaining agreement between the NHL and the NHLPA. But every employer in British Columbia, including the NHL and the Canucks, are subject to occupational health and safety legislation, which in our province is implemented and enforced by WorkSafe BC. And so this statement that the Canucks have put out there that they don't accept sexual misconduct of any kind and that claims are report claims that are reported are treated very seriously, that is something that should be a statement for every employer in this province. And I don't mean in reaction to an allegation. I mean that you have an obligation as an employer in this province to have a bullying and harassment policy written available to your employees so that you have a very clear chain of command. You have a very clear set um, of uh, processes for how complaints are going to be made and processed mm -hmm. and dealt with. Um, that all needs to be something that an employer has 
proactively so that if you are an employee who is dealing with sexual misconduct in the workplace, you can refer to this, uh, you can refer to this policy, you can take a look at the protocol and you know exactly who to make the complaint to, you know exactly how the company is going to respond to that complaint and what the consequences of any finding of veracity to those complaints will be. Uh, just something that I wanted to bring forward because I thought that it was, you know, a really important reminder, uh, particularly with everything that's going on. This is a whole other story, but with everything that's going on with uh, General Vance and the, the federal investigation into the allegations of misconduct in the military and how we're sort of shutting down the conversation or the committee hearing at the top level so that we don't know what the prime minister knew or, or when he knew it. But, you know, that chain of command and knowing that the CEO of the company, the president, the owner, the founder of the company is going to take your claim seriously is extremely important and in fact right. is legislated by WorkSafe. And welcome back. 419 Sunday afternoon. Yeah, Lee is here to answer all of your questions. Just getting our first couple calls lined up and squared away. We'll get them on air uh, momentarily. 604-280-9898 is the way to do that. want to get back into some more of our topics for the afternoon, Leah. And you got something else to discuss. So it's a, uh, a busy day. Let's keep at it. John, thanks for standing by for a moment. Good afternoon. How are you? Hello, John. Hello. Hey. Hi. How are you? Good. Go ahead. I'm well. How are how, I'm, I'm well. How are you? Excellent. What's uh, what's on your mind? Well, uh, I was hired by a company out of uh, Vancouver to go and work at different places around the province. In February, I had a uh, an episode where I collapsed uh, because of mm. a now diagnosed level of diabetes one went into the hospital spent two, the initial two weeks there came out for a week and a half and uh my family doctor called me and said you better get back to the hospital which i did and i spent six weeks in hospital one of the young fellows that i hired uh i was asked by my employer to start training him up to be a uh, construction superintendent. He took over my position. Um, I've been told several times that there were projects all over the province. I offered my services to my employer. My employer said, well, we haven't made it. Subsequently, uh, I've not been uh, allowed to come back to work. and I'm kind of in a quandary. I don't know if I'm working for this guy or whether I'm not working for him. I was there for six months. I just found out this information from him on Thursday of last week. And I'm kind of wondering whether or not uh, this is kind of like a just uh, constructive dismissal or whether yeah. I have re- recourse, you know, to, uh, you know, to get my job back. Um, of course, John. I'm and and I'm so I'm so glad that you called. Um, let me just start by saying that, as far as the law is concerned, you are not in a quandary. Your employer is okay. They have they have messed this up. They clearly have not gotten legal advice. Um, when you're on a medical leave, 
right? Obviously, the company is not going to be required to shutter their windows, close up business, and wait for you to return, right? They've got to make sure that uh, that you know business can carry on as usual, and sometimes that might mean replacing you to do the job. But you are entitled to be returned to your job when you're ready. So I presume, John, that you have medical clearance to return to work? Correct. Okay, and is that without restriction? You are 100% ready to go? Absolutely. Okay, so if your doctor backs you up on that and you've let the company know those facts, then it's not a constructive dismissal, it is a dismissal. They have terminated you. If you are willing and able to work and they have not returned you to the workplace, then they owe you severance. Now, if your primary objective is to return to work, you might be able to work with a lawyer to get to that result, right? So I've dealt with situations like this where individuals who are in your circumstances, they say, you know what, even if they had a job for me, I wouldn't want to go back because I don't trust them now because who does that to somebody when they're in the hospital for six weeks? And I completely understand that and I don't think that they have to. But for individuals who do want to go back to work, you know, that's not something that um, many legal institutions will require an employer to do. But if you sort of, you know, set out to them, look, you owe this guy severance. You might owe human rights code damages because it seems pretty clear to me that the only reason why you lost your job was because you were ill, right? That's a big liability. So you either have to contend with those two big, big pieces of exposure or believe it or not, John actually wants to return to work. And so if you can find a job for him, we can kind of put this all behind us. That's something that we can negotiate too. Well, I think uh, my thinking is is uh, in line with exactly what you just said. Um, can I get your office phone number so I can call you on Monday? Please. Uh, yeah, I give it to you. I uh, give it to you right now, John. You can carry on. Definitely a conversation worth having at a, at a greater length. Indeed, that number is six zero four. 283-3123. Again, John, 604-283-3123. And the email address is uh, just as useful, help at employmentlawyer.ca, help at employmentlawyer.ca. So uh, we'll make sure John gets uh, all that information if he didn't listen to it. Uh, your third thing you wanted to talk about, Leah, before we get another call lined up here. Oh, yeah, sure. So, um, and just wanted to say too that John, if when you call in or send in an email, just indicate that you spoke to me on the radio and then we'll be able to connect uh, next week. But the last thing that I wanted to chat about that came up this week, of course, as the paid sick days program. I mean, the paid sick days program, I'm putting air quotes around it now because we don't really know what that's going to look like yet. We don't even know when legislation is going to be drafted for it. Um, you know, we don't know when it's going to be implemented. We have no idea what it's going to look like, but mm -hmm. we do have an indication from Premier Horgan that there is unanimous consent that a paid sick leave program is going to be brought forward and put into place. Um, we know that it's going to be, quote unquote, happening in the days ahead, again, whatever that means. Um, but, you know, it, it is it is long overdue, in my view. I think that it was probably this time last year that Prime Minister Trudeau first said that he would be working with the provinces to uh, convince them or encourage them to implement their own programs. And we I'm sure we spoke about it on the, sh the show at that time, because yeah. at the end of the day, it is not a federal government obligation. The, mm -hmm. the you know, employment legislation 
for provincial employers is going to be provincially based and it's going to be in the provincial realm of, of jurisdiction and power. So, you know, the, the BC provincial government, uh, needs to implement sick days and, and apparently will be implementing paid sick days that individuals can just take advantage of as they're needed, as they're required. And my understanding is that it will at least be partially subsidized by the government so that right. the employer is not fully on the hook for these things, if not fully subsidized. The problem with the federal sick um, sick day program right now, of course, is that you have to apply for it. Um, you know, you have to you have to basically do it well in advance or well in retrospect of the time that you actually need to be sick. And so I think that it's probably missing that swath of people who wake up on Tuesday morning at 7 a.m., mm-hmm. you know, with a tickle in their throat and they go, oh, it's, you know what? It's probably nothing. It's not worth it. I'm just going to I'm just going to go to work. Right. right? And a, a provincially mandated paid sick leave program will make it so that if you wake up with that tickle in your throat and you're not sure, you can just call your company, tell them you're taking a paid sick day and have that be it. And employees are obviously very in favor of this. Employers, some employers are, I think all employers should be, right? And I understand that there is this concern that individuals will take advantage of that. I mean, I don't think that it'll be as widespread as people fear, but you know, even if people do take advantage of it, even if people are staying home because they've got a sniffle or because they have nothing, the ramifications of not having a paid sick leave program are far greater for an employer. Indeed. The cost implications are far greater. And so ultimately, this is the best for everybody. Yeah, thank you so much for sticking around. It is 4.33. The time for you to call in is now. You got time. We have lines open for you, 604 280 9898 email address help at employmentlawyer.ca as promised phones are always our top priority on this show bill you're a you're a good guy you hung in through the break how are you no not too bad for a nice sunny sunday yeah no <laughs> kidding what's uh, what's on your mind uh well uh um uh, an employment situation obviously um uh i work for a temporary agency uh and i've signed uh, i have to sign uh, a contract and in that contract i i am termed an elect to work uh, employee, it's an elect to work arrangement, and it says you know no termination pay. Specifically, it says I'm exempt from it. Now the the job that I had, it wasn't. I didn't. I worked for them for three and a half years on one job with one contract with one company, and through no fault of the agency, that contract was lost. Um, and now I'm out of job. Uh, am I entitled to severance? Yes. <laughs> yes, in a word. Um, this elect to work um, category is not something that is a, a legal exemption to the Employment Standards Act. So um, you are entitled to at least the minimums under the Employment Standards Act. There's no exemption that, uh, you know, where somebody who agrees that they are characterized as uh, somebody who is an employee that elects to work is going to be exempt from uh, the termination pay. But beyond that, you also would have common law uh, severance entitlements as well. So if you were... If you were with this temporary agency for three years, you know, I I would say that you're looking at probably four to six months of severance. Four to six months of severance, okay. Um, One question, it's kind of a quirky thing, though. Um, Are they obligated 
to notify me. Like in this particular case, um, the contract that they knew it was ending, are they obligated to notify me of this? Like I literally found out from my replacement uh, um, worker uh, on mm. Thursday night. Yeah. So when you say, are they obligated to provide me with notice? That is essentially what severance is. So severance pay is the pay that an employer provides you instead of giving you that notice. So they don't have to provide you with that notice as long as they say, uh, Hey, Bill, your contract's coming to an end. Sorry, we didn't tell you a couple of weeks ago. And here's a big check, right? That's okay. But if they're not going to pay you, then absolutely they should have given you notice. And if you're finding out through other people, then uh, that can also give rise to, to bad faith damages as well. Okay. Yeah. Because that's actually how, I mean, I, I was aware something was going on. You know, I was, I was very communicative, communicative with the, with my customers. And mm-hmm. a couple of them had said, you know, Hey, you know, this is, we hear something's going on. So I was aware of something, but you know, never did I get a, you know, you're, you don't have a job, you know, at the end of, uh, you know, the end of the week, sort of the end of the month. Yeah. Um, no, that, that's never how it should be, Bill. Absolutely okay. never. But I, I've got one, there's one little twist in this whole thing as well. Uh, I'm currently on work safe. Um, you know, I had uh, pinched a nerve. Uh, I've been off for, I guess, four weeks now, and, and I've probably got three or four more. Mm-hmm. Does that throw a monkey wrench into anything? A little bit. Um, you're at least entitled to get your employment standards minimums, which in your case would be three weeks. Um, but if you, are you getting income replacement benefits through WorkSafe? Yeah, through WorkSafe. Yeah. Yes, I am. Okay. So if you are specifically getting benefits or payments to replace the income that you lost, um, then that is something that is going to be set off from severance. Now, it, you know, my understanding is that IRBs are never a hundred cents on the dollar. So there's some top up that the company is going to be responsible for, but that will be set off from what they owe you. Yes. Okay. So, so in other words, if I'm, if I collect work safe for three weeks and the minimum from employment standards is three weeks, then they don't have to pay. Uh, no, because WorkSafe is usually anywhere between like 60 to 90% of oh, what oh, yeah, you're yeah, Oh, yeah, no, I understand that. Yeah, I understand that sort of thing. Okay, okay. Yeah, so um, they've got to top you up. But then but then over and above that as well, right? If we're talking about four to six months of severance, it's going to be over that period of time. Well, yeah, but, but employment standards, only they, they, they can only get three weeks is the, is the, uh, yes. the amount. Yes, but under the common law right? You are entitled to four to six months. The Employment Standards Act is oh, just... Taking, taking a different uh, administrative route rather than employment standards going going through uh, through common law. Okay, I understand that. Yeah. A- absolutely, absolutely correct, Bill. There are two systems that govern what you're entitled to in the event of a termination. One okay. is the Employment Standards Act. One is the common law. They both work together to inform what your entitlements are. What your entitlements are. Okay, yeah. Well, I, I guess I may have to be giving you a call. <laughs> Um, Please do. One, one more, one more tiny little twist in this whole thing is the fact sure. that because it's an employment agency, mm-hmm. can, they, can they offer me sort of anything that they have in their in their hopper, you know, and say, "Well, we, we're not going to pay you because you know, just take whatever job we have." Uh, can they do that, you know, in order to avoid any at common law to avoid any any severance? No, I mean, I think that what the interesting question is going to be is who is going to be legally considered to be your employer? Is it going to be the agency or is it going to be the company that you were contra- contracted? I'm using air quotes. The company that you were contracted out to. Contracted to. Right? Yeah, well, I, I have a contract with the agency and, and the company that I worked for, they supplied the equipment. 
And it, it, mm-hmm. all of that was contracted out to another company altogether. It was very, very convoluted. Yeah. So what I do in those situations is I just sue everybody. Okay. So <laughs> I just, I just, I just write a letter to everyone and then I let them fight it out because yeah. I don't care who pays you as long as somebody pays you. But that is their battle. That is their battle to sort out who is the one that is responsible for paying you severance. If any yeah. one of those individuals were to say to you, Oh, you know what, Bill? We, we apologize. Come back. We've got this position for you. If it's comparable to what you had before, then maybe you would have an obligation to take it. But then they would yeah. still have to pay you for the time that you've been unemployed. That I've been unemployed. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a bit of a complicated one with a few twists and turns in there. And it's just a matter of, um, you know, trying to sort out what to do and, and, and actually how to even start the whole process, you know, whether you, uh, you know, go to employment standards. But I, I guess the, like the, the fact that I'm on work safe, you know, mm-hmm. I could end up, I could end up losing any severance because of the work safe. It, it'll just, it'll just be reduced by it'll your reduce. income replacement no, yeah, benefits. Yeah. 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 But some, somehow that, somehow they get off the hook in that, in that process. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, Bill, that, you know, we have a designated paralegal at my firm who does smaller claims. Um, you know, usually under $35,000, which ensures that individuals who may not be able to afford the full scope of legal fees in, in light of a smaller quantum don't lose out on that access to justice just because of that smaller quantum. So in my view, you should still hold them to account. There are still avenues that you can do that. Uh, and I would highly encourage you to do so. Yeah, well, no, it's your, uh, I certainly appreciate that. Again, it's a little bit convoluted, and I'm just trying to get a, a direction um, where to go with it. Also, you know, obviously, everyone's going to try to avoid paying whatever money they can. But uh, you know, I, if I've got obligations, uh, you know, um, entitlements, I'd like to be able to make sure that I can get them. And, and I got to tell you, Bill. I mean, you describe it as convoluted, and you're throwing out twists and turns. This is nothing I haven't heard before. <laughs> I, I promise you, this is I, I not unusual imagine. at all. <laughs> Yeah, I, I could imagine. I could imagine. It's just not a street nine to five. You know, you you work uh, for one company. I tell you that. Well, terrific. Thanks so much for all your help, Ben. You're welcome, Bill. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate that. And I'll give you some uh, parting numbers because I know you're going to make that call and then talk to Leah some more to uh, get it all cleared up. 604-283-3123. Of course, 604-283-3123. Email works as well, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And I know we got we got a break in a minute, but, you know, in through all the stuff that Bill was talking about there for, for all those minutes, it's still people think you know it's it's you know the employment standards branch that's all I'm entitled to is three weeks and they do they don't it's just nailing and repeating the fact that there is common law entitlements as well that people have to get used to right I know and you know what you know what I always say which always seems to be like the the light bulb moment mm-hmm. is if that was all you were entitled to I wouldn't have a job totally. right. That would just, the employment standards branch would just be a completely self-sufficient, completely comprehensive body that can deal with every complaint that an employee makes. If that was all that was out there, I'd be out of work, right? I'd probably, I'd probably be, you know, fulfilling my destiny as like an ice cream taster or a puppy raiser or something like that. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Welcome back, 445. You still got some minutes to, uh, to call in, ask your questions. That's uh, why Leah does the show. 
every Sunday to get some uh, some knowledge out there. It is 604-280-9898, 604-280-9898. Any other time you want, you can uh, simply send an email, help at employmentlawyer.ca, and the website, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. I want to move on to what our topics were for today, but I, did, we, did we still have one more issue you wanted to bring up? My memory's awesome at 50 years old. Oh, we had three, no. right? Did we do three? Mm- we did, we did, we did three. I mean, I've got lots of yeah. things that I can go on and on about, but we should probably talk about temporary layoffs. Right. Gotcha. <laughs> temporary layoffs. Yeah. What you, uh, when you don't get called back to work, there you go. Uh, as far as the temporary layoff is concerned, how long can that last? Well, and I mean, isn't that the loaded question, right? Because yeah. in the normal course, just if you take out, if you excise 2020 from the history of the world, um, and a temporary layoff can only ever last 13 weeks. That's it. After the 13-week period is done, if you are not called back to work at 13 weeks and one day, you have been deemed terminated under the Employment Standards Act. Uh, that is that is a statutory right that you have. That is in black and white law. It says that if you are not recalled after 13 weeks of being on layoff, you are deemed to have been terminated, backdated to the date that you were initially laid off, and you are now entitled to severance. Now, of course, reinsert 2020 into the history of, of, of employment, and we've got a, a very different situation, right? We do have... Um, you know, that the provincial government understood that temporary layoffs were a tool that many companies would be using, many companies would be availing themselves of. Um, and because of that, they lengthened them. So first they extended it to 16 weeks and then they extended it to 24 weeks, um, or, uh, August 30th, whichever came sooner. Um, and, at that point, the only way that you could continue a temporary layoff is with a variance. And a variance is something that a company needs to apply for specifically through the Employment Standards Branch with the signatures and consent of 50% or more of the affected uh, population of the workforce. Um, so you need to have buy-in from the people that are going to be affected by this. And if you do, then you can apply for a variance to extend that temporary layoff. Still though, once you get to that 1624 mark or, or whatever the variance allowed the layoff to be extended to, you still have the right to be recalled. And if you don't, and it, or sorry, if you're not recalled, you can, uh, you, you are automatically considered to be terminated and you can claim severance. Again, number 604-280-9898. If we have time, we'll talk about more about uh, temporary layoffs, but we always take our phone callers as top priority. Our listeners, Paula, thank you for standing by. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for taking my call, guys. You bet. What's up? Uh, so listen, I do um, office administration in that for a large landscape and construction company. So they do a lot of, so the, the field workers, they do a lot of, uh, you know, overtime one week, no hours the next, depending if it's, you know, what the weather is and the like. And a couple of them have come forward and asked about averaging agreements. And mm. I, uh, yeah. And so I've looked it up on employment standards and, you know, Google did, you know, the Google research and everything I can. And I, I find them more confused now than ever. And I was wondering if you could help me understand, because it seems like you can go into an agreement for one week to four weeks. And and I think these guys are just looking for some regular pay rather than big, big paychecks one week and nothing the next. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it is a confusing 
um, prospect. Uh, you know, the essentially though, when it comes to whether or not you're going to agree to one, two, three, or four weeks, completely depends on what the employer and an employee agree on. Averaging agreements are one of those things that um, is like what I just spoke about. It's like a variance to the Employment Standards Act. So it's a way that the employer and employee can agree to contract out of the Employment Standards Act without you know, running afoul of it. Um, so in this case, right, there's the obligation to pay overtime anytime you work over eight hours in a day, double time if you work more than 12, uh, and then of course more than 40 hours in a week. But you can, as an employer, uh, approach your employees about averaging those work hours. And if you, if it is sort of as varied as you say, where there's a lot of uh, overtime in one week versus no overtime in the next or reduced hours on the next, then an averaging agreement will probably work out in the employer's uh, favor as well. So you could average there, like if they got, let's just, as a for instance, 60 hours one week and zero hours the next. Could that be considered 30 hours a week and not any overtime, or are you still obligated to that overtime component? Well, you can take you can take any one of those one, two, three, or four week um, sections, and you can have an employee agree that they will work up to 12 hours in a day on average, averaging no more than 40 hours a week without being paid overtime. And so, okay, yes, so the over- in your time. Yes. So you're in your example, that is absolutely workable. If you've got a lot of overtime in one week, not hardly any hours in the next, but together that average is less than 12 hours in a day or less than 40 hours in a week, then you will not owe overtime. Oh, awesome. Okay. That helps. (laughs) Honestly, when you, when you first said that, when you first said that you've got lots of people who work a lot one week, work nothing the next, that was my first thought as well was averaging agreement. So highly recommend you take advantage of that. Paul, appreciate your time. I'm going to move on to, uh, to Alan. Hi, Alan. Thank you for hanging on. Good afternoon. Oh, hi there. Um, I phoned in a couple months ago. I worked for a Great. company for five years, got uh, terminated on the spot, bang, no notice, no nothing, uh, no severance. Uh, so I went after them for wrongful dismissal and what have you. Well, it's been over three years now waiting, and they keep changing lawyers, firing their lawyers. The last lawyer fired them because they wouldn't even talk to them. Um, and now I just got it from my lawyers I have now. Oh, we're going to give them till December to do something again. So now we're going to be three and a half years uh, mm. going through this. And so I called in. They said, well, give us our office a call. So I called in the office there, and I said, I'd like to talk to someone about this. And they said, okay, how do you want to pay the $150 to talk to somebody? And I went, oh. Okay, so I never did that. So I was wondering about that. If I want another opinion, uh, it cost me $150. Yeah, so we do give a lot of free consultations, um, but when somebody is represented by somebody and we are required to give a second legal analysis, which does require some amount of legal opinion and review of your case, that is something that is going to be a paid consultation. I mean, what I can tell you is that I I feel for you, right? I mean, three and a half years is a long time to have this drag out. 
Um, I, you know, I think that I've had, I've had a couple of clients go through that, but it's certainly a problem with our justice system at large. Um, you know, access to justice is a really, really big issue. And unfortunately, you've got parties who are just always going to be entitled to their right of representation. What I can say is that if this is now a pattern, if this company is constantly changing lawyers, uh, you know, to buy more time and it's starting to really sort of reveal itself as a tactic, mm -hmm. um, then that is, there is a harder line stance that you can take in response to that. Right. They cannot they cannot extend this forever by constantly changing counsel. At some point, they've got to just be held to account. OK, OK. Uh, and and uh, how do because I, I like I'm not really impressed with my lawyers right now because they just they say we want to do discovery. Oh, we can't do it uh, for two months because this guy's away or oh, our lawyer. Uh, we fired our lawyer. We got a new lawyer, so we need another two months. And this has been going on for three and a half mm. years, right? Yeah. Um, and I and I'm getting to the point where why can't it be forced? Because is there not some kind of uh, uh, good faith thing involved in this at all? Yeah, certainly. I mean, it, it, so it's a fiduciary relationship between a lawyer and a client, and a lawyer has to do you know their their best for their client, right? And you know, just speaking honestly, just speaking candidly, you know, not every lawyer does good jobs for their clients. That's just the way it goes, right? I mean, and a, lot, a large part of that is, you know, why lawyers have such a bad reputation in the industry at large. Um, but I will say this, that if you are not pleased, if you do not feel like you can go to your lawyer and say, I'm unhappy for X, Y, and Z reasons, and this is what I'd like to see, and you don't have faith that that's going to be fixed, you should change lawyers because okay. the lawyer-client relationship only works when it's based on trust and when the parties are working together. So my first point of recourse would be speak to them, ask them these questions, say, can you force this at this point? But if you're if you're too far gone, if you don't even think that they'll be able to do that, I would just well, I, I, switch lawyers. Yeah, I, I did that uh, a couple months ago and said, hey, there's got to be something we can do. Well. I was passed off from one lawyer that I first started with to her, her assistant, then from that one to another one, and now I passed mm -hmm. off from that one to another assistant. And I, ha I, I wanted an answer. I haven't heard from them over a month again, right? Uh, all they said is, we're going to book court dates sometime in December. Uh, and that's, that's the only answer I've got. So another, what's that, six, seven months again, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, booking something in advance that, you know, for, for court dates, I can tell you that the courts are, are very, very backed up right now. So I think that, you know, if they're looking to December, that's probably not their fault. It's likely just the availability of the courts. But again, what I'm hearing from you and what I'm concerned about is that you sort of lost that trust in them that they're going to be representing you to the fullest of their ability. And honestly, I mean, lawyers leave, files change hands, that sort of thing happens, but um, you should always be made to feel like your file is being confidently handled and you are entitled to information on how it's proceeding. And if you're not getting that, then I would strongly recommend that you consider other counsel. And with that, we are done for another afternoon. Appreciate all your calls and uh, you chiming in this afternoon. You want to get a hold of Leah now that we're done for a more private conversation. No problem. I've given it out throughout the show. I'll do it one more time. 604 
283-3123. Help at employmentlawyer.ca by email and the website pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you next time. This has been the Employment Law Show on CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.